Come on, it's showtime. When he says action, <laughs> you, you drink it. I know your saucer's a little wet, but you drink it. <laughs> you drink it, boy. I mean, you got a lot of people out there waiting to see you. <laughs> a lot of people depending on this podcast, Simon. They don't want your soggy saucer. Hey, we are recording though, so. Oh, right. You can't drink it without a sugar. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Uh, we will do, um, um, you know, our usual welcome back in, in a moment. But we are recording live, 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 live. And in person from Beacon, New York. Uh, Simon. Can we, together, at last, in unison, for the first time in a long time, welcome people back to another episode uh, of, well, we are out of practice, yeah. of uh, maybe, maybe next time, I'm your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon uh, McCormack. Nets Nation, ooh, sugar, sugar, do, 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 do. <laughs> Ooh, honey, honey. Oh, sugar, sugar, my <laughs> sauce is so wet. <laughs> Simon's got a soggy saucer. I've got a Bud Light seltzer lemon lime. If you're not drinking hard seltzer, you're not drinking, my friend. <laughs> and we are, as I said, recording as we do each and every unrelenting week in Beacon, New York, to talk all things Nets Nation with you, our listeners, Nets fans. Simon. Yeah. Three very simple words that I think you would agree with. Nets in trouble. Yes, indeed. So, the final game is tomorrow. Well, possibly not final. The fourth game in the thus far not terribly riveting first round series between the Raptors and your Brooklyn Nets. Game four, tomorrow, 6 30? Kind of a high time slot. Yeah. Uh, Wouldn't have thought that it would have garnered such a time slot. I am slated to be a virtual fan, though, TBH, I do not think I'm going to make it to that virtual fan experience. If you have an opportunity, I recommend everyone in this world, everyone on planet Earth, should try it once. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll have a different experience than I did. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But everyone should try it. Yes, everyone should. <laughs> everyone should be forced to spend about four and a half hours watching a virtually unwatchable stream of a basketball game. If you've never seen a frustrating streaming experience you're going to love. This is for you. Yeah. This is for you. It's a novel. I know most people are into novelty experiences. This is one of those. Yes, definitely. Um, Nets are playing. They're down 3-0 in the series. Uh, don't think many people gave much of a fighting chance, so this is not a huge shock to anyone. Uh, they had out- overperformed expectations, outperformed expectations in the booble. Um, so I think there was some delusional optimism that maybe that would translate to the playoffs. Unfortunately, we are playing an extremely well-disciplined Raptors team that is showing 
just how big a talent gap there is in a depleted Nets versus a top team in the East. Mm-hmm. And we've now lost Joe Harris. And we've now lost Joe Harris. I don't think we're going to spend a tremendous amount of time talking about this series. We sort of knew it was, wasn't was something that the Nets were likely going to win. Um, but obviously there are implications of players' performances and whatnot in these series that could have that could have ramifications that go far and wide. And I kind of wanted to get into one of those right off the bat, Simon. Okay. And I want to introduce it this way. To one, one man's name. One close to canceled man's name, though he's not canceled. Bill Simmons. Ah. His podcast. He says recently on his podcast, he is convinced, certain... Lock it in that the Nets are going to trade Karis Levert, third star Karis Levert. We talked with Alex Schiffer last week. If you haven't listened to that interview, go back and listen. I think it's a great one. Oh, yeah. Um, He doesn't think that Karis is likely to get traded. He thinks they should keep Karis. A lot of people think they should keep Karis. The problem is he's a high-usage guy, a low-efficiency scorer, and that's not what you need when you have two – high-efficiency, high-usage guys on the team in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, then that raises the question, okay, is he instant offense off the bench? Is he a, is he a Lou Williams-type six-man? Is that really what you want Karis LeVert to be? Is that really what Karis LeVert wants himself to be? Or has he proven to himself in this bubble experience that he is a legitimate bucket getter in this league, a guy who could put up 20, 25 points a night as a starter. Does he want his own team? Simon, where the heck is your head at on this thing? Uh, thank you for the cue. So I think it's it's sometimes helpful to hear people outside of the Nets bubble, Nets world, um, talk about Nets players mm-hmm. because I'm reminded – because the way Bill Simmons talks about – talked about it was just like matter of factly like he didn't really spend much time talking about it he was just like you know he's ex- he's high usage they don't need somebody who's high usage they should trade him for like a wing who's like a 3 and D type or something somebody who's not going to be high usage who's right. going to be um, yeah so but it's just funny because like stripped of like all of the sort of like the stuff that Alex Schiffer was talking about the fact that like Kevin Durant has said very complimentary things about Karis LeVert on a number of occasions recently. The fact that Kyrie Irving called Karis LeVert and said, you know, keep doing what you're doing, called him from the bubble. Uh, you know, all these things are like in my head as a, as a Nets, you know, a consumer of all, all content. And so, but, but then you're just kind of like, oh, well, this is how like divorced from that, how people see it. And that can be clarifying. I'm reminded, William, of... Of when uh, rumors started that Kyrie Irving was coming to the Nets. Mm -hmm. And again, people like Bill Simmons, pretty much everyone was just like, oh, well, that's the end for D'Angelo Russell. Mm -hmm. And, like, to me, at the time, I was like, well, no, but he was on the sunlight, he was on WFAN or whatever, saying that, you know, he's a great, he's proven that he's a Ned and he's really great and we've had endless, you know, feel-good stories about this Nets team and we're just going to, you know, add a stretch four and, you know, keep on plugging with this. And, like, people outside of Nets world were like, 
no, they'll sign Kyrie Irving and there's no way they're going to keep D'Angelo Russell. And that was like, took them three seconds, similarly with this Karis LeVert thing. So they could be, they could be, I'm not saying they're completely, he's completely right. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's helpful to hear that and I would not be surprised if they, they just do that. I think I'm just, the bigger, the, the big question to me is like, again, as I've talked about a bunch on this podcast, like what is his value? Because like if you're just getting back... I don't know, like Kyle Kuzma or something like that. Like you might just want to keep Karis LeVert. I want. Um, you know, this won't surprise you. I've probably said it before. I want Aaron Gordon. Right. So I think they that would be a perfect swap for the two teams. The Magic in desperate need of a guard who can create buckets for himself, mm-hmm. um, and Nets in extreme need of a four, in extreme need of defense, Mm -hmm. and Aaron Gordon is all those things. Also, it's sort of the role Aaron Gordon is born to play. He should not be the featured figure in an offense, but if he's the third or fourth point of attack on your offense, that's fine. He can get you buckets. He can shoot. He can can stretch, and and like I said, he can play some good defense. So that would be the dream. Mm -hmm. My worry, Simon, is that... Karis LeVert's stock was high, high, high in the seeding games after eight games. But in the last three games, when Toronto has been able to focus on him, he's not been terrible, mm-hmm. but it ain't pretty. And you can sort of see where a Karis-led team is going to get you. Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely not a first option no. star on a on a good team. Like, you can't beat the Raptors with Karis LeVert as your best player. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, I've been really impressed with his assists. I think that's an interesting wrinkle that, that might make him valuable as a as a third wheel, potentially, if he's able to, to, to like, find, like, create, a, you know, give give the Kyries and the, and the Kevin Durants, like, a little rest, basically, where they can just kind of stand out on the perimeter for a few plays, mm-hmm. and he can kick it to them. But... Yeah, no, he's definitely not a number one star. I think that you, we may be, you and I may have some of the highest opinions of Aaron Gordon in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think similarly, both both players are really similar in that, well, their contracts are really similar, but also they are like players that you can hear people talk, say very nice things about them. Yeah. And then when you look at their numbers, Aaron Gordon, certainly on your like, Real plus minus is not nearly as, but he's pretty good on real plus minus. Yes. But like if you look at things like three point shooting, field goal percent, his field percent is like forty three percent. His three point shooting this year is like thirty one percent. Like he's only averaging like fourteen points or something mm-hmm. like that. Seven rebounds. Like he's not a knock your socks off offensive guy. Um, so like I think that we, I at least, have this idea of Aaron Gordon as like you know like a really premier talent and. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's part of that, but I, uh, you know, like we may be overrating him, but I also just think in terms of fit, he makes way more sense. I am increasingly convinced that Karis LeVert makes no sense in this role. He is a wildly inefficient scorer. He needs the ball in his hands a lot to be effective. And that, I, you know, the assist things is intriguing, but I don't see that as being enough of an offensive advantage to consider him uh, like a, a good fit on. Like maybe if we were a lockdown wing defender or something like that, but mm-hmm. he's and he's not a bad defender. He's not D, he's not low on defense. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask Simon, you, mm-hmm. person I'm talking with here, yeah. my co-host. Hello, hello. Um, how's that coffee, by the way? 
pretty good. I haven't gotten much into it yet. Yeah. Um, still pretty hot. Yeah, it's scorching in this room, to be honest. I'd love to turn that AC on, but I know I'm going to get too cold. One thing I'd like to ask you, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Simmons sometimes says stuff, and it feels like Bill Simmons knows something and is bringing it up as as like casually he's bringing it up casually but it's something he's heard and has some inside knowledge on do you think in this instance it's that right like mm-hmm. he has heard that the nets are shopping carousel right like they're just full stop they're not going to do it and that was his way of saying hey guess what like i know Mm-hmm. The Nets are getting rid of Carousel Vert. Or do you think this is Bill Simmons in his sort of war against the idea that Sean Marks is a good GM? Setting it up and being like, it's stupid and bad and idiotic to think that it's going to work from a basketball point of view with Karis LeVert and these two other guys. Like, he is just such a bad, abstractly bad fit with these other two guys. And I want to sit, get on the record on this early and then hammer, <laughs> hammer marks when at the trade deadline they're desperately like willing to trade Karis for like a second round pick and like a steady backup center or something uh-huh. like that. Um, where, where, what do you think? Where does this fall? Is this Bill Simmons fodder for later um, attack on Sean Marks, or is this intel being communicated in a casual way? I don't... I think it's actually something in between. I, I think that this is him just thinking extemporaneously. I don't think he's... I, I would suspect that he does not have intel. I think he's just looking at it as somebody who's probably seen very few Nets games and is just, like, aware enough that Karras is a high-usage person who needs the ball a ton and doesn't fit with two also high-usage players, just like we've said. And he's thinking, okay, well, what do they need? They need someone who is less high-usage who could shoot a three or who could be good at defense or do some of the things that would be helpful on that. I, I don't think he's... I just don't think he's like thinking about it very much. Right. I think yeah. I think you, you could be totally right. That was like you know basically all of these um, playoff podcasts, national ones, are like all right. Let's talk about every series except Bucks Magic Nets Raptors. Right. No one's no one's spending time worrying about how these series are going to end because everyone knows they're more or less a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it could have been a throwaway thing, but like you said, I think you're right. Um, it is sometimes clarifying to hear people that are not in Nets Daily or Brian Lewis or Stefan Bondi world, you know, talking about about the Nets, and it it can be um, helpful <laughs> to to have some perspective on what's actually going on. Um, all right. Did you hear about this Stan Van Gundy interview? Yes. So I actually felt like he made points on two different things that were spot on. And I'd like to hear your take on them. So the first one is Stan Van Gundy, who from all accounts is doing a pretty damn good job as a commentator. Mm Uh, people generally like him. I know he's making a big splash on Twitter because he's making some <laughs> vaguely political—not vaguely political. They're, yeah, political, they're political statements. So I don't follow him, I think but we call them liberal bromides. 
Liberal bromides, right. So, you know, better than, um, you know, conservative bromides, but... Yes. Um, maybe not our... our uh, we don't need to talk about politics right now. <laughs> um, so first thing Stan Van Gundy was talking about was Jacques Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And... They're asking, do you think Jock Vaughn's going to get the coaching job? And he says the only thing is, is what he's doing here in the bubble is totally different than what the job description will be there with the Nets next year. So taking a bunch of young guys and getting them to overachieve, especially for a relatively short period of time, it's not easy, but it's a very different job than coaching star players with high expectations. I think all of us um, have been seduced by the success that Jacques Vaughn has had in the bubble and have even though Sean Marks was very explicit in saying wins and losses don't matter down there everyone's like well it has to matter he was five and three in these things they did so much better of course it matters but as Stan Van Gundy rightly points out he's not coaching a bunch of guys that are playing for their potential NBA careers like the majority with the exception of maybe three of these guys the majority of this team is not certainly going to be on an NBA team next year no so they are playing out of their gordos and he's getting them to to his credit but that is a way different task than getting two of the most difficult superstars in any sport uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to play at a level where they can compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yes, that's completely right. I mean, and I, I, I hate to pat ourselves on the back, but that's also what we've been saying for weeks. Yeah. Uh, so suck on that, Nets Nation. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but I mean, yes, that's completely true. And, and and with every, like, playoff loss, not that Jacques Vaughn, again, should be judged on, you know, like, Winning against the Raptors with three good players. Right. Um, I mean, and, you know, nowhere near as good as plenty of Raptor players. But right. And now not um, even Joe Harris. Right. Now, t- yeah, now two good players. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it, yes, that that's very difficult, but it's also, like, it looks worse and worse. You, you're talking now about being like, okay, he was 5-3 and three in eight games and then went almost certainly 0-4. Right. And... Like, that means that he's going to be our coach. Like, it's just nuts. <laughs> no, <me>. right. <laughs> the whole, as we have, have, have reiterated time and time again, <laughs> the sole criterion for this entire coaching search should be do KD and Kyrie want him to be the coach? Yeah. And, I should, or maybe should is not the right word. Right. They, th- that is the, the sole criteria mm-hmm. right now. So, and, and I would also just quickly say, like, I read something about. Karis LeVert at one point waving off um, the person I forget who it was but whatever player who was coming to like substitute him in mm-hmm. um, that is not a good sign for Jacques Vaughn I would say just because like if he's not going to stand up to Karis LeVert like oh. universal good guy Karis LeVert who is yes. literally never heard <laughs> one negative comment about Karis LeVert. right like he's not gonna be the guy like I know Bill speaking of Bill Simmons who was talking about Ty Lu, the reason um, Griffin hired him, said he hired him in Cleveland, was like he needs someone who, like, twice a year will just kind of stand up to LeBron. To LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Like, just give a little bit of pushback a couple times a year. Right. Um, 
you, if you're not giving pushback to Karis LeVert, it's not to me a good sign that you're going to have the gravitas and the cojones to uh, do that. To one, I mean, Kevin Durant is one of the best players ever. Yes, um, he's so. a top twenty all time guy. Yeah, uh, Kyrie Irving has shown flashes of being an all time great, he's but he good. he yeah. is very very skilled. Yes, <laughs> whether that translates to his team being better as a result of his presence on the court is an entirely different question. But Simon, regarding coaches, because apparently that is like our our bet noir mm-hmm. uh, to. Wildly misused that expression. Um, <laughs> we there are a number of coaching positions that have already opened up. Like I had mentioned that I I had heard that this NBA offseason was going to see the the turnover of upwards of like a dozen NBA coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, Alvin Gentry's out. Yep. John. Uh, whatever that guy at uh, in Chicago. Oh yeah, at Bayheim? No, not no, Bayheim. not Bayheim. Boylan. Boy, yes, Boylan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so they're both out. Those are both desirable jobs. It's very likely, as the Philadelphia 76ers get swept, that Brett Brown, who has, um, if nothing else, one of the most unique accents mm-hmm. in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is likely out of a job. So that's another job that I would say would would garner the interest of the similar caliber of coach to the Nets because they have two superstars. Their superstars are younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, yeah, it's just, a, I think it's a would be a highly uh, coveted coaching spot. Yeah. So are you getting nervous that the Nets sort of twiddling their thumbs here? We're going to see a Ty Lue, say, go to New Orleans, and we're going to see um, I don't know who else we're that interested in of the coaches that are available. But, like, uh, you know, are, are do you think the Nets should start acting sooner rather than later? Well, so I don't know. I don't honestly know the rules around, like, could we interview Ty Lue now? Since mm. he's like coaching in the Clippers, the Clippers. I would right. imagine not, but I gotta tell you, I don't know. Yeah. Um. So in terms of that, I. But yeah, I. So yes, I am nervous, regardless of whether like, of of the timing, and yeah, I think they should be doing interviews now if they can. Um. I just I've always been nervous. I'm more nervous now, as you said. There's a zillion coaching opportunities. Uh, out there, I'm not sure that we are the. I don't think we're the top. I would think that Philly would be a more attractive thing. I think, I think you could find a coach who would be more interested in coaching us than coaching the Pelicans. But I don't think that. I think you'd find the opposite as well. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I think that it's a different type of coach that's that's going to be looked for in those two situations: more development in New Orleans and more. Um, a person capable of juggling massive superstar egos yeah. in the Nets job uh, with the potential payoff of getting a ring, obviously. Right. Uh, you can't have those two guys on a team and have no chance of winning unless Kevin Durant is substantially uh, less good than he once was and unless Kyrie Irving um, plays 20 games again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
could be the case. Could, or could be, yeah. if he decides to start his own league. Right, right. <laughs> that guy's always up to something. <laughs> um, so another thing Stan Van Gundy said... To get to move away from the coaches, but the, I don't know why it's so interesting. It now, is basically, interesting. I went from basically never wanting to talk about mm-hmm. Jock Vaughn to mm-hmm. talking about Jock Vaughn or Jock Vaughn adjacent topics exclusively on this podcast. Yeah. But another thing Stan Van Gundy talked about was Spencer and Karis. So this is going to be a little repetitive in the Karis thing, but I wanted to bring it up and uh, because it includes Spencer, uh, Spencer as well. So he said the problem to me, and I'm not saying you can't overcome it, but the tough part if Spencer and or Karis Levert are in the starting lineup with Kyrie and Kevin is Karis Levert and Spencer Spencer Denny both need the ball in their hands. They are put the ball in my hands. Let me go one-on-one or let me run pick and roll. And in your first unit, the ball is going to be in Kyrie and Kevin Durant's hands. So we've said that for Karis. We've been over that. We don't need to go into it again. But he has coached Spencer Dinwiddie famously in Detroit um, and let him go and has had to sort of publicly apologize for that. And he likes both those players. But are both of them bad fits? Who do you think the better fit is? And is Spencer, like to me, if you have Spencer as a backup point guard insurance, that's amazing. But is he cool not starting again? Or would he start? Or could he start? Right. Um, I think that if you keep Spencer, um, he will he will start a lot of games just by virtue of Kyrie getting hurt. Like, I, hopefully Kyrie doesn't, as you said, miss 62 games, but he's going to miss some time. Oh, yeah. So, like, you're going to have plenty of games, regardless of what happens, where Spencer is your starting point guard, I think, definitely. Um, and so, yeah, you, you have that in your back pocket. I The only thing with Spencer to me is like you're pretty much only going to have him for one year and maybe you just want you know you could say the same thing about Jarrett like you might only have Jarrett Allen for one year but if in that one year you think you have a really good chance at winning a championship maybe you just do it maybe you let those two go for nothing in a year or or and, and maybe if you if you win the championship maybe Josiah says sure sign them I'll pay a, a huge luxury tax I don't care yeah you know let's keep this thing rolling but to me, the, the the reason why I think Spencer might be more likely to be traded is that you only have him for the one year. He His value goes down and down and down as he plays more and more of the year, I would think. Yeah. I mean, they're really, really, really good backup guards. Yeah. Um, but as we've said with Karras, neither one is a 1A star, a 1 on any team. He's not he's not going to be the best guy on any team. Probably shouldn't be the second best guy on any team. But you know, there are places like I still keep coming back to this this trade that I proposed a long time ago with the Lakers where we get um, where we get Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers would get Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, and then I think I put like KCP or something like that, you know, to make the the money work. But like he would be really helpful on a team like that as the third, you know, third guy or, uh, on a team. But he's not really going to have an opportunity to be a third guy on this team because his skills are so duplicative. He would be more of just like a Kyrie insurance injury insurance thing. And I kind of feel like Spencer deserves better than that. And I'd love to just, I'd love to follow him on another team. <laughs> Can I say? I think it would be very sort of interesting to see us 
have. I mean, there's a lot of problems with this because I think we have a lot of holes that we need to fill, and these players are players that could help us do that. But imagine a backup unit that includes Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and Karis LeVert. Like, that's probably the best backup. That's probably the best bench in basketball. Oh, absolutely. And like those are all- Those are starters on, like, 28 other teams maybe there's one team that is deeper you know that they couldn't start those guys yeah and like they have but all three of them have really good chemistry together they've played together for a long time right you see you're seeing it in the bubble with with Karis and Jarrett and Joe but you definitely saw it during the season with Spencer um and Jarrett especially so like they have plenty of like time together I mean it would be it would be again sets up some bad things but that would be a fun second unit. Oh, yeah. I think I like that second unit more than our first unit. <laughs> it's not hard to beat your feelings about the first No. Unit. Uh, it's very hard for me to go rah-rah for DeAndre Jordan <laughs> yeah. basically ever again. In, unless, again, if, if he lands on another team, I'm a DJ fan. Right. Um, I will immediately that, – that team will launch into my second favorite team because they have done the Nets probably the kindest thing that could possibly happen to the Nets. Yeah. If we just had Jared Allen and Nick Claxton rolling into next season, I would be much, much more sanguine about what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of weird bench guys on the Nets, Simon – Jamal Crawford. So we were hoping to see another 50-point explosion, and instead we saw five minutes and an injury explosion. Um, so not the scoring, the, the, the scoring spree we were hoping for. Uh, got a cue for you. Yeah. Is Jamal Crawford coming back next season? Dot, dot, dot. As a coach? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> this is based on you sending me something about how Tyler Johnson said that Jamal Crawford was doing scouting reports. Yes, he put together his own scouting he report. He put together his Raptors. own scouting report. You see him out there. He's he's been rumored to have uh, to be very involved in communication during games mm-hmm. in in pointing things out to some of the younger players to try to uh, coach basically to tell players what they should be looking for, how they should be playing. Um, if he's if say all the old hammy doesn't doesn't mend quite like you'd like it to, mm-hmm. uh, will forty one year old or whatever age he is quite old. Um, yep. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a spring chicken, but he's no, he's no, older sure, than me. Sure. Uh, is this guy? Might he have a role as a coach with the Nets? I think the Nets would much prefer that. Yeah, like an assistant coach. Yeah, yeah. And you could save the roster for a non forty-one year old, but um, which I think is about maybe three or four years older than or younger than um, Sean Marks. Yeah. Uh, And uh, who's not a player? Um, (laughs) I, I think I think that would be great, and I I I like Jamal. Honestly, I am fine with Jamal Crawford even being on our roster, but I much prefer him just because. He will just be the 15th guy. He'll be basically what he is now, like not playing, mm-hmm. doing a ton of coaching, being a good glue guy, and heavens knows 
we went from having a plethora of glue mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. to a team in sore, sore need of somebody who keeps spirits up. <laughs> and Jamal Crawford, I think, does do that. Um, as Ooh. much, I mean, it's a Herculean task with KD. It's impo- Kyrie, yes, it's 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 impossible. Right? It's it's Jacques Vaughn trying to coach a team of Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie, or of uh, Karis LeVert and Jared Allen past the Raptors hard, but um, it. It, w- it would be nice to have some good vibes. Yeah, and and good vibes from a guy who, like, Kyrie can't shit all over Jamal Crawford. Like, people respect the hell out of Jamal Crawford. So he can't be a punching bag. He can't be a scapegoat. He can't, you know, like, he has cred. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'd like, I'd like him. I don't, I'd be fine with him as a 15th guy too, but, uh, maybe, maybe the Nets are grooming him for a, a coaching position. Head coach? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. It's not that important. <laughs> it's only our championship season. Jock went five and three, for God's sakes. We're going to be beating other teams up. Ah, we came within ten of the Raptors in one of our four losses. Consecutive losses. Jock is a good coach. Jock's I a think. great coach. I, 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 I loved coach. Yeah, I love Jock. I agree, and I think he's done things, especially with uh, Jared Allen, that like kind of make Kenny Atkinson look bad. Yeah, like this, he, the the guy. I don't know that he was like, you know, in quarantine working on his passing. That seems fairly difficult. Right. It seems like Jacques Vaughn was just, and I don't have the basketball knowledge to be able to describe to you what he's doing. But whatever he's doing, Jared is passing like a lot, crazy, a lot better. Um, he's yeah. also showing a, quite a lot more versatility defensively. So for a while, it was just a strategy that he's going to drop back on all these things, and now he's actually playing, especially against the Raptors, who have basically. Everyone can shoot. He's playing out on the perimeter quite a lot more. So, I mean, Jared Allen, my God. Talk about a guy who's had a good bubble. Yeah. Jared Allen has put up numbers. The last game where he didn't get a shot is a little mystifying. Yeah. But, again, it's just like if you have an incredible defensive team, and you tell them guard two of the five people out right, there. Right, <laughs> right. And, and they have a lot of length on that yeah. team. So they have no dearth of guys. When you have Mark Gasol and, and Serge Ibaka to start mm-hmm. um, at, with Jared Allen on both, the, that's the, you know, the, the center, starting center and backup center, uh, that doesn't leave a lot of good matchup opportunities for old Jared Allen. But he's still putting up big numbers. He was really, really important in the game. They almost won mm-hmm. the, the close. Closest game in the playoffs um, against the Raptors. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that is, you know, just the fact that you watch this guy who's like 22 years old and he's just bawling out of his mind. And you're like, yep, that guy's going to be relegated to the bench because DeAndre <laughs> Jordan is friends with these two little temper tantrum motherfuckers who have come and maybe will condescend to play a game or two next year. Can I, can I, this could be a good opportunity. Can I give, lay out a scenario I see where we not only keep Jared Allen, but yeah. he thrives. Okay. Okay. So I'm not saying this is the most likely outcome. I wish he could shoot. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I think I think that there is this is a plausible scenario. So you start the year, right? Mm-hmm. DeAndre is the starter. But Kevin Durant <laughs> And I'm going right. quickly William, insane. William's back into his yes, he's 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 trying to, you know, tear up his, his Nets credentials. Right. Um Okay, but that happens. So it's one thing 
But when Kevin Durant, I think, actually gets to play with with DeAndre Jordan, mm-hmm. I think there's a decent chance he will um, sour a bit on his buddy. Because I think it's one thing to be buddies with, with DeAndre, but when you are playing and you're someone like Kevin Durant who's obsessed with their legacy, their reputation, how they're perceived, and you know that every time you lose a game... The people on Twitter and, and in, in every pundit show are going to say, well, you know, can he win when he's not already joining a championship team and blah, blah, blah. And there's tons of clips of him getting upset at, at teammates who are his buddies. Uh, there's, of course, the, the um, uh, Green, um, Draymond. Draymond Green blow up where he was clapping in his face. There's tons of footage of him doing that with uh, Perkins, mm-hmm. like just screaming at Perkins. And at least Perkins gave a shit. Like, I, right. I just, I think there's a decent chance that Kevin Durant sees DeAndre Jordan not putting his hands up and right. is like, I can't take this. So <sighs> then Jared Allen gets inserted into the into the starting lineup. Kevin Durant, again, sees that this guy is much better. And, uh, you know, Jarrett thrives in that role. He, he feels less like he's under pressure and, like, there's some there's this guy breathing uh, down his neck. And, you know, we just kind of go from there. Yeah, no, I think that they are going to be so exposed defensively when DeAndre Jordan is the anchor of your defense and he couldn't give a shit as he... <laughs> does on defense, um, that they're not going to have a choice but to put Jared Allen in and help that first unit play any amount of defense. And Kevin Durant is obviously a basketball genius, and we'll figure that out relatively quick. I know they love DeAndre, but at a certain point, um, this has to resolve itself. So I I, I like that optimistic uh, optimistic note. Of course, I I was well on the the wickedness of of DeAndre. Um, All right, Simon. Anything else you want to talk about before we get to our theme? No, 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 no. No! (laughs) Coffee okay? Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Is that coffee okay, buddy? Thank you. I'm I'm, I'm picking up. Can I top you off? Um, It's a Keurig blend. Original breakfast blend Mm. coffee. Yeah, it's organic. I'm told if the box was an indication. Excellent. Um, all right, we're doing a theme. Simon, would you would you tell our listeners a bit about our theme? Our theme is we're playing the Raptors, which is a d- type of dinosaur. What? Net <laughs> is a dinosaur. What? Compared what? to dinosaurs to nets, nets to dinosaurs. What dinosaur is most like which net? Yes, thank you. That's that's a good way to put it. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to start off. Okay. Okay. And I have done very little thinking on this subject, but okay. love dinosaurs. Sort of liked Jurassic Park a lot, uh, and 100% of my knowledge of dinosaurs is derived from that film. Yes. And the Albuquerque History Museum we used to go to. As, yes, as, I know. There yeah, was an yeah. amazing room where you could walk over what looked like lava. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Don't worry, folks. They don't have lava in Albuquerque. Come on. That's absurd. On the, Especially on the second floor where they just run in lava up into the second right. floor of the museum. That's, I don't know much about lava, but I feel like it's not uh, It'd burn through, wouldn't thing. it? Yeah. yeah, you put it on the ground floor. Yes. Uh, it'd be a cooling nightmare. Um, like keeping the room cool right. with when active lava. lava. Yeah. yeah, that's absurd. It's got to be hot. Yeah. <laughs> 
I wonder if you could have glass that wouldn't like melt above lava, so you could walk over live, active, flowing lava. My money's on no. My money is also on no. <laughs> Listener, if you or someone you love is at all familiar with the physics of lava and its reactions with glass. Please let us know at maybe not time at gmail.com, on Twitter, on Instagram. Put your microphone up to your face. I think there's I don't want to sound like a glass expert here, but yeah. I think we pretty much know. I mean glass as as far as I know, Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, glass melts. Glass is a melter, yeah. yeah especially when near extreme heats. Lava's yep. hot. Mm-hmm. Now I know it's hotter when it's like in the the core of the earth where it's formed. Yeah. Maybe it cools a bit that, that on the surface, hot. on the surface, but yeah. it's not cooling that much, folks. You're gonna have to come up with some pretty unmeltable glass. <laughs> but if you have some, send but it if to you do, if you have a sample of the glass that might work for this hypothetical lava scenario, send it in. We'd love to hear about it. And that's just cool that you know that much about glass. Yes. Um, Simon and I are glass curious, Mm -hmm. but certainly I don't think either of us would claim we're experts on on the matter. Correct. Wasn't there a glass blowing place in New Mexico? Did we get taken in high school or something like that? I'm sure there was. I don't remember doing that, but... It's pretty cool, glass blowing. Very cool. I agree. And I I love blown glass um, pieces. Do you? Stuff created from blown glass, yeah. Like bongs? <laughs> no, like I got, I got. No, like beautiful glass art, you idiot. Yes, William, get your your head out of the gutter. No, I gave um, Hillary a glass blown um, starfish. Oh, yeah, lovely, lovely. You've heard her talk about it ad nauseum. <laughs> I'm sure she loves that what, thing. But what color was the glass? I greenish. Oh, nice aqua. Mm, yeah, maybe. Okay. That's nice. Okay. Uh, my first dinosaur listeners and Simon, <laughs> person I'm my, my interlocutor. <laughs> it's fucking hot in this room, man. I wish we could turn that AC on, but it was so loud. I feel like it's going to be a little distracting. Uh, on as the, soon as we finish this podcast. Oh, I'm like fucking cranking that I'm puppy up. I am cranking this puppy up. We could take our shirts off. Oh. <laughs> Should we take our shirts off while we talk about dinosaurs? Make me too uncomfortable. My back will stick to this chair. My shirt's already soaking wet from that fucking hike we did. We did. uh, We hiked up Mount Beacon today. Yes. If you're ever in the Beacon area, Mm -hmm. uh, highly recommend it. There's like a great little bodega. It's not really a bodega up here. It's just like a grocery little deli. deli. Yeah. It's a deli. Um, called Bob's Market, something like that, mm-hmm. and you can get sandwiches, beer, and Gatorade, and, and combos. Yes, lots combos. of combos. Um, and we got sandwiches after our hike. Great way to end a hike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we both got turkey sandwiches. I'm sure this is interesting for you to hear about. I know it's. I, for one, am riveted by my telling of this. <laughs> I don't. Would you call it a story? It's yeah, more just like a factual really recounting right. of. It wasn't really a beginning, middle, and end to that. But there was some info. I, I, yeah, exactly. So my first dinosaur listener, <laughs> and Simon, my interlocutor, is 
a triceratops. Mm. Now that's uh, I don't I don't want to get all nerdcore on you, Simon, but try stands for three, mm. uh, and that's because he's got three of them little pointers up there on his dome, right? Three little yeah, horns. Right. Yeah. All right. So he's got three horns. You know what I think when I think three horns on a dinosaur? Mm-hmm. Joey Buckets. Because oh, he nice. can shoot three Perfect. pointers. Oh, William, that's great. He's making it rain, splash, 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 and our hearts and minds are with you, Joey Buckets. The heat is getting to us, Joey Buckets. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's hot and beacon. It's a squatching beacon. And I, for one, am losing it on this <laughs> podcast. Holy crap, it's hot. Uh, Triceratops got three points. Joe Buckets can shoot at three. Simon, what's your first dinosaur net comparison? My first dinosaur, William, is the dinosaur that... I don't remember the name of. Okay, that's fair. I've got one of those. He's, he's maybe I should have saved this not for my first one. Where yeah, I the no, no. Just got to fly but, out of the gates. Yeah, but, but anyone who's seen um, Jurassic Park oh, knows this gonna dinosaur. Oh, you're going to take it. You're going to take mine. You go for it. Oh, no, it's he's the a one spitter, that sprays. Fucker. Yes. Yeah, that's the best one. He, he sprays Newman from Seinfeld. And I, for me, that guy is Kyrie Irving because... It's like inevitable when you're watching that scene, you know he's going to spray him. Yeah. And you're just kind of wondering when it's going to come. And it's the same with Kyrie's toxicity. Like, you know it's coming. (laughs) When's it going to come? How much acid is he going to spit into your eyes, making you blind so that he can eat you? (laughs) And they have that like crazy flare up, sort of like thin things on the side of their head. kind of a. Factually dubious, right? Dinosaur, sort of like an amalgam of yes. several ones. Yeah, apparently a lot of the dinosaurs in that movie have no like verisimilitude mm. to the actual creature. That's a shame. Yeah, a great movie. Again, yeah. one of my favorite movies growing up. It was just it was well timed for for us. It came out in the mid nineties. It's like ten years old or something, mm-hmm. and uh, I just loved it. It's got um, you know my first introduction to chaos theory. Ah, okay. Uh, the the hand, you know, the droplet of water. Right. Yes, on, of course. On Laura Dern's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Neill, great accent. Super, just sort of looks like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think. This is another good I'm trying to think <laughs> of the old-timey Actor that Sam Neill really reminds me of Simon. Oh, he's got time. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's hotter than hell in Beacon, people. It's hotter than hell. All right, my dinosaur, I will think of this guy's name and I'll get it to you um, when you tell me about your next dinosaur. I, I Simon, can't remember a lot of dinosaurs, honestly. Brontosaurus. Mm-hmm. I believe those are the big guys. They're yes. they're plant eaters. Yes. And gentle they, giants. Gentle giants. They're huge. They're enormous. If you don't remember, and they're they're sort of roaming in these law, you know, these big rolling glades, and they go up and they eat the tall trees. Gorgeous leaves. I think it was filmed in Costa Rica. Would love <gasps> to go to Costa Rica. Honestly, Simon, you ever been to Costa Rica? Yeah, when you as a kid. did, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And how was it? Was it as magical as I'd imagine it might be? It, it was very fun. I was extremely young, so 
not sure how much of what I remember is still factually accurate, but it was it was very fun. Um, they yes, the rainforest is incredible. The people I remember being really really nice to us because we got into a number of like jams like our car had a flat tire and like a bunch of people helped it just there was a bunch of interactions like that where people were extremely nice to us and uh yeah i I highly recommend it based on my experience as a six or seven year old um what were the what was the leaf situation like there very green it's very good i mean there's tons like there's like a rainforest right costa rica right I, i just imagine that the leaves are so just really really big yeah one downside folks if you are going to visit try not to go during the rainy season because that green is caused by more rain extreme, than I think you could extreme rain bigger than life star simon Ooh. james mason mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right you know james yeah, mason yeah, mm-hmm. james mason to me a lot looks a lot looks and sounds a lot like sam neil okay yeah okay uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of Nets fans are probably into James Mason. Maybe. Could be. Sure, sure. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Okay, sorry. I'm off topic here. My Brontosaurus. He's a gentle giant. He's a leaf eater. He's bigger than Dickens. Simon, who am I thinking of? Jared Allen. No. Oh. DeAndre Jordan. He's vegetarian. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next. <laughs> <laughs> My next one is... Um, Stegosaurus, Ooh. which was my in favorite. In my mind, I would conflate a Stegosaurus and a Brontosaurus. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Both okay. plant eaters. But okay. Stegosaurus's defense was not three horns, but uh, Spiky spikes back? all around his, basically from his head to his tail. Oh, nice. Covered in spikes. Um, like hard spikes or yeah. more like a fin? I think they were hard spikes. Oh, my God. Meant to protect them from the meat eaters. Disgusting. Uh, yes, um, but very cool looking, and I really liked them, again, as I said, but they're prickly, just like Mr. Kevin Durant. Ooh. A great player, great dinosaur, but quite prickly. Ooh, prickly, prickly. Um, all right, my last one, Simon. I can't use raptor because that's in the title, which gave us the suggestion. Although, great dinosaur, really mm-hmm. good hunter. Oh. Right? That's the whole point of dress. Yeah, they're yeah, really right, good right, hunters. Right, of course, yeah, yes. they, they hunt they in a pack, the and they yeah. got the brains, and they they're testing the electronic fence. Right. Uh, they're just really smart, terrifying things. I heard that was actually one of the more inaccurate mm-hmm. things about that film. <laughs> but you know what? Still a great movie. Yes. And it's yes. for kids. It doesn't have to be factually true. We're just oh, trying to have right. a good time, aren't we? Right. I'm wondering how many scenes of. Jurassic Park we're going to retell here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know a lot more about that movie than I do about dinosaurs. Yes, no, me too. <laughs> so my last one, and this is an act of sheer desperation because you took my spitting dinosaur. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. I remember there being a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. And a T-Rex is a formidable predator by any estimation. Big teeth, big claws. Uh, hunter. Yeah. King of the Jungle, the lion of its time. <laughs> the lion of dinosaurs. It's a the, the lion dinosaur, I call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> so, which net does that most represent? That's the tricky part for me. Um, <laughs> Simon can't repress his yawn right now, and <laughs> Sorry, and frankly, I don't know who the lion of dinosaurs is on the Nets either. Uh, Jamal Crawford. 
He's a man. He can get you 50 points, or he can be an assistant coach. He can do it all. He's a jackknife. He's a... <laughs> no, Swiss Army knife. He's a Swiss Army knife, like all lions of the dinosaurs are. He's got teeth and claws... <laughs> And a vicious appetite for flesh. <laughs> He's a meat eater. Uh, but I think, it, wait, is he an omnivore or just a carnivore? I think just carnivore. But yeah, but, and, and you know what he doesn't like? He doesn't like when that goat is just sitting there. He likes to hunt, right? Right. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Um, so he doesn't want something just chained up. He wants the challenge of finding something, hunting it down. I think he eats... Um, Goldblum's Jeff Goldblum's legs. Mm-hmm. He eats the accountant. Yes. Uh, he eats a lot of humans. Right. Like much like <laughs> beloved <laughs> role player and binge god Jamal Crawford, the lion of dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Oh, oh. Okay. Okay. I'll be quick here. The um, we gotta wrap this puppy. Pterodactyl. Oh, perfect. It's not in that movie, but in the sequel, there are pterodactyls. Oh, okay. The Lost World. Right. Um, I would say that is Jared Allen because they are long mm-hmm. and they are feisty on on defense. Arr. And they, uh, yeah, they make a s- screeching sound. Arr. So. There you go. Uh, I like I like I love a pterodactyl. Huge wingspan, like exactly Jared. Exactly like Jared. Right. Great, Simon. Should people rate and review? Maybe next time. Maybe yes. not based on some of our <laughs> dinosaur content, but more on the earlier basketball stuff before this room had gotten as hot as. I'm turning the AC on. Give it's us almost a break. Over. Give us a break. Give us the five stars, please, please, please. We need those five stars. I honestly, this is the truth. I think about our reviews and our ratings constantly. A lot. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying, I'm not going to lie to you listeners and say that it's my top priority, Uh -uh. but I'm also not lying when I tell you that I think about it. It's not your bottom priority. A lot. No, it is not. There are far, far, quite a lot, a long, long list of things that I care about less. Than our review. So please give us a five star, not just for me, but for you too. You'll find it rewarding. Um, and send us your comments, your questions, your thoughts, your suggestions to maybe next time at gmail.com or uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at maybe next time. Folks, thank you so very, 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 very much for listening to us live from Beacon, New York, and we will go ahead and uh, see, see ya, ya next, next time. time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read If you like Pina Colada